Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is Winning at Work and Home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. All right, today's lesson, Engaging Your Woman Successfully. That sounds great, doesn't it? Um, let's go ahead and pray for Jason, and then we'll get underway. Father God, I thank you for bringing each and every man here today uh, to say that they want to win at work and win at home and bring you glory in doing so. I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to the message that you have for us today. I pray, God, that you would help us to understand what the key moves are that we need to make in our own lives in order to better serve you, to better serve our families, to better serve the church, and to better serve the community at large. Bless Jason's words, God. May your Holy Spirit speak through him now. And may we all have ears to hear and eyes to see, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Ten key moves. That is a great, uh, great working draft there on page 13. Look at two words, level of competency and satisfaction. Those are two incredible words that I I think we deal with as men real often in in probably everything, in our work, um, in our walk, and then also um, our relationship with, uh, with our wives or children or girlfriend or whatever situation you're in. So um, I want to be um, competent and I want to be satisfied. I was talking to a, a, a buddy this week, um, and I didn't use those words, but and I didn't even look at that, um, but I was just talking to him, kind of what the Lord's doing in our lives and sharing a little bit, and um, and, and that's really what it boiled down to. It was um, feeling competent and satisfied in, in a couple of areas we were talking about. So that's what we're talking about. Look at the, the picture. Can we go back to the winning picture? They're winning, they're scoring, they're holding hands. Um, the very first little thing, there we go. It's Jerry Seinfeld, have y'all noticed that? He went through men's life first Baptist. Um, the the word winning uh, goes back to that whole competency and satisfaction. And um, I was looking at that yesterday, just that slide, um, and thinking that's that's really what we want to do. I don't know anybody that wants to be a loser. You know, my, my kids, I have three boys, and I've, you'll... You hear about them, and you'll continue to. But um, my two youngest ones are always talking about. They're real fast runners. They're really lean and uh, a lot like me. Um, and they're they're real f- fast runners. And so they're always talking about who's winning and who's the fastest in their grade in the school. And they're always talking smack to each other. Um, and we don't change. We we mature in our smack, but we do that all our life as men, um, and because we we want to be winners and everything. So that, I know that's why you're here. So that's your first key action step that you've taken is to be here and commit to to be here. The next one um, that you're going to do is commit to be part of a small group around a table. So I encourage you to um, uh, be at a table where you'll where you'll be transparent and be vulnerable and be able to walk through growing and being competent and satisfied at work at home as you win. Okay? There you go. There's a little pontification, but we'll start now. Uh, two books that I referred to last week, Men Are Waffles and Women Are Spaghetti. Um, this is what it looks like by Pam and Will Farrell. That's the book. It's great. It's pretty pretty funny. It's kind of a Christian version of Men Are From Venus and Women From Mars or whatever it's called, but it's a little bit better, I think. And then His Needs, Her Needs has a new cover. This is from like the 80s. Um, this is uh, by William Harley. Great, great book. It talks about the five top needs and five top needs of a woman uh, and a man. So uh, those are two really good books. And then I'm going to talk about another book today and uh, maybe even... Make it available to you. 
Here's a couple couple things. Um, Howard Hendricks, he's a professor at um, DTS. He said uh, Jesus didn't sit around saying, "I wish, I sure wish something would happen today." Okay, he took action um, to make something happen, and so we're going to look at today some some real practical um, tools. Um, hopefully, one that you did last week, and we're going to talk through today and kind of interpret it a little bit, and then another um, another set of tools for you to to move forward. Um, in understanding and engaging the woman in your life. How many of y'all are single? You can figure out who I'm talking to, okay? And how many are married? And how many of you don't know? <laughs> I won't say how many of you are married and wish you were single. Um, okay, good. Okay, that's interesting. Kind of it's this whole little quadrant over here. Good. Well, here's, here's uh, what men say and what they really mean. It's the guy thing. When you say it's just a guy thing, it means there's no rational thought pattern connected with it, and you have no chance at all making it um, logical. Can I help with dinner? Sometimes we'll ask that, which really means, why is it already on the table? Uh Uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, means absolutely nothing. It's a conditioned response. It would take too long to explain. That actually means I have no idea how it works. Competency. Uh, Take a break, honey, you're working too hard, means I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. There you go, from the back. I heard that. Uh, that's interesting, dear. Means, are you still talking? Oh, don't fuss. I just cut myself. It's no big deal. Means I actually have severed a limb, but will bleed to death before I admit I'm hurt. <laughs> I love that one. Hey, I've got my reasons for what I'm doing. Means, and I sure hope I think of some pretty soon. I can't find it. Actually means it didn't fall into my outstretched hand, so I'm completely clueless. What did I do this time? Which means, did you catch me at it? Uh, I heard you means I haven't the foggiest clue what you just said, and I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough so that you don't have to spend the next three days yelling at me. Last one is, you look terrific, means please don't, tr- please don't try on one more outfit. I'm starving. If y'all ever been shopping with your wife, that's a, oh, they all look great. Yeah. Okay. One more thing on action plan before we kind of jump in. I got an email from from one of you after as last week as I was talking about um, us hiding our little action figures all week. So when last night I went to bed and there was something under the 10th pillow. Want to know what it was? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus is in the lunch sack from last week. He hasn't been unpacked yet. <laughs> He's feeding the 5,000. Um, do what? No, the rat. I, you know, I put the rat in my son's cleat. And so when he got to football practice, it would freak him out. Well, he didn't. He was, put his foot in. He goes, and I thought, my dad's such a dork. Um, but and I don't know what the rat is. He won't tell me. No, it was a set of um, a set of fall stick-on leaves you put on the window. Is that sweet or what? All that says to me is, I'm thinking about you. I want you. Come on, baby. That's what it says. And so that's, that's, what, that's what it means. Anyway, somebody sent me this email and said, also, he wrote us something. He said, I, I do something similar to what you and Paige do with Jesus and Moses action figures. We hide this little figurine of a smiling girl I've dubbed Scary Girl due to her large black eyes and way too innocent grin. Uh, she th- my wife thinks she's pl- just plain cute. I think she's right out of a Stephen King book. Since we moved this summer and with all the big life changes the past month, we've misplaced her, but I'm sure she'll pop up somewhere. See, life application right there. It's a key point. Write it down. Do it. Go, go to the action figure store. Okay, engaging your woman successfully. What we're going to look at today is uh, it's, it's some tools. It's not a formula. I think so many times as guys, we're solution-oriented. We, want you to, we always think A plus B equals C. Um, and so don't hear uh, me say, and I'll repeat this at the very end, the last thing I say will be, this is not a formula, it's tools, um, and, and for the most part, they're, they're successful tools, but without the Holy Spirit, none of it, it's just 
It's just mumbo jumbo. Okay. So ultimately, to know and engage the the woman in your life, you've got to depend on the Holy Spirit and ask for guidance and empowerment um, from Him to do that. So with that said, let's jump into moving toward your toward your woman is what it's about. It's engaging your woman is the title, but um, but uh, the I've used that that language moving toward page actually I've used that um, the last several years has become a, a kind of a normal thing for me to say um, you know talk about us moving toward each other so I want to um, tell you a little story about a man who really missed it his name was Phil and one day Phil and his buddy were playing golf and um, uh, they were playing golf and they were on the sixth hole which just happened to be along the freeway and so he was just about to tee off and all of a sudden this processional for a funeral started to drive by and Phil uh, put his club down and bowed his head and um, and said a prayer quietly. And so when he raised up, his buddy said, "Phil, I'm so impressed um, at the at the at the reverence that you've shown and the sensitivity you've shown. I've never I've never seen you do that." And so as he was about to about to tee off, Phil said, "Well, you know, we've been married 34 years. Get it? These are." Not my jokes, but anyway, that was pretty funny. I thought um, this was a guy that was a guy not very engaged with his woman. Okay, um, he was kind enough to, I guess, that she went by to to pray for. Her. But last section we focused on what we call some long-standing long-standing wisdom, and it was found in Peter, um, if you remember. And it said, "Husbands, love uh, live with your wives in an understanding way." Okay, live with your wives in an understanding way, and we talked about what it meant to be understanding. And so, for over two thousand years. Um, those words have been telling every person of every kind, of every nation, of every strata of life, um, how to engage a, a, a woman successfully, and that it's not a natural thing. Okay, uh, it's not a natural thing for us as men. We don't um, get it naturally as men to do that. So we have to go outside ourselves to get other resources, mainly the Lord, Holy Spirit, but also some tools that we're going to look at today to understand women more to be able to move to them. So mark it down, letter A on your outline. The understanding way is not the natural way for, for man. Secondly, this understanding way is not just head knowledge. We know a lot, um, or we know about a lot, um, but we don't necessarily know it. It's kind of, it's, it's the same thing as our walk with Christ. Um, there's a lot of people that know about him. There's a lot of people that come um, attend this church and are involved and know about Christ, and that's where it stops. But it's walking with him and knowing him intimately. Same thing is true um, in knowing your your wife or your girlfriend, your wife to be, um, is knowing knowing about her, but to really know her, and uh, you'll continue to know her and know new things, hopefully, and grow in that relationship throughout time. There's a popular um, term today, and it's called execution. Um, there's even a best-selling book entitled um, entitled that. And the bottom line is that every business speaks to this thought of um, being able to execute to be successful. So Peter's words here would be, husbands, execute with your wives in an understanding way. Put it into practice, not just know about it. Um, understand your wives. Live in an understanding way. So live um, in a way of, of execution. He's talking about living this truth out so a woman can see it. She can feel it, and she can experience it as real. It's coming through to her um, from, from her man. Uh, so um, let me encourage you, men, win with your woman through wise actions and supported by proven insight. Live with your woman through wise actions and by proven insight. I've got a visual up here for you, and some of y'all might have seen this. It's a difference. We looked at the men's, women's brain, this turnoff switch is last week. 
But this time, it's uh, it just shows the whole brain, how differently we're created um, than the woman. This is uh, the female brain. Does it have the things on it? There we go. Um, it has some things it's going to add to it. And I have a little bitty one, so I'm going to let you do the, just add them all on there. Is that it? Yes, there's, there's, uh, should be one more. There you go. Okay, it's filling in. If you'll notice, uh, one, two, and three are phone skills, shopping, and indecision right there in the middle. Irrational thoughts is toward the uh, the front there. Jealousy is quite large. Need for com commitment hemisphere is huge, okay? Um, and that's where everything uh, comes from with, with a woman. They want to know that we're committed, we love them. There's an ice cream receptor, the small toward the back, uh, a chocolate center, and then an argue-debate lobe in the, in the back, followed by a very, very small sex particle. So that's kind of the female brain. Now versus the male brain, fill it in there. This very large area is um, is comparable to the to the women's very and the and the commitment molecule is just that it's a molecule. Sports is back there. Uh, math is a little circle area. TV attention span is a tiny dot. Uh, the interrupt load there. Um, the ask for direction and um, resistance center is down here toward the end. Listening particle. Um, and uh, remote control addiction center, lame excuses gland, uh, the stick shift, it's got all those, personal hygiene atom, you know, they all continue to go down and down. So anyway, that's really just a funny thing. Okay, boy, we are, maybe we should go to small groups. How would that, that be today? Um, okay, we'll get back to y'all just are more serious today, so we'll go. Okay, since we're uh, into our third session, uh, let's t stop for a good moment and have a little heart-to-heart, -heart, okay? I want to talk to you ab about um, what we want to do today, okay? Um, that whole thing about being uh, on the manhood team, what kind of player do you want to be? Um, there's, there's three kinds of players that every team has. The first one's the sideliner. It's the person who stands and watches the action. The sideliner. It's a person who's made a commitment to be on the team, but they just stand and watch the action. Second one is you have a starter who's vital to the action. And then you have the all-star who stands out in the action. And this goes from probably starts in T-ball all the way to um, you know professional sports, I guess. Of course, they're paid to be a sideliner a whole lot of money, but that's a different story. Sideliner is the person who stands and watches, watches the action. Uh, my son will—he's eighth grade. He plays today for FBA, and they'll play at four thirty today. They play River Oaks Baptist, so it's a big rival. And um, River Oaks, um, usually in middle school, you have one really good guy, you know, and then some people who can block for him, and it's the running back. And that's the case—he's a big guy at River Oaks, and so he's real slow. They said, but as long as he's got his team around him, then he'll, you know, he'll score over and over again. So, our whole. Um, thought process and, and plan for the afternoon is to just stick it to this guy. Well, we have our own people like that. We've got three kind of all-star guys. And then we've got a whole group of sixth graders that are all sideliners because in sixth grade at FBA, you can't play in the conference, but you can be on the team. So they're all about this big, and they're tiny, and their helmets are wider than their, their shoulders, you know, and they're next to the eighth graders who have already gone through puberty, uh, and they, and they want to you know, be all-stars, but they're, they're, you can see it so clearly on this thing of the sideliner, the starter, and then the all-star. Um, in the year, we're going to have before us um, seven more sessions before we finish the semester, and then six after that, so you know that's coming what kind of player do you want? Um, do you want to be on on our team? 
Um, and you're, you're going to be able to choose, and you've already made the commitment to be the team, so you're going to be one of these three things as long as you keep coming. Do you want to just watch the action? Um, do you want to get involved in the action, or do you want to stand out in the action? And so in that relationship, marriage relationship, or relationship um, with, with your girlfriend, the same thing. Do you just want to watch and be passive in that relationship? And I know guys that are like that. Do you want to be a starter, and so you're there in it? Or do you want to be supersede uh, to the to the all-star level and I think that's that's where God God wants us uh, wants us to live you've all heard stories or maybe you were the guy or you know the guy um, that um, was that stood you know on the sideline with his helmet the whole time waiting just waiting it didn't take any initiative coach maybe pulled you off and said hey I believe in you you've got what it takes but when are you going to kick it in gear and be part of the game when are you going to step into the to, onto the field, and I think God has some of us here today, including myself at times, that that's what He does. He wants to give us a little swift kick and go. When are you going to kick it in gear? And when are you going to when are you going to live out Ephesians chapter five that I've laid out before you of what a marriage looks like, involving and engaging your woman? And that's what um, that's what today is really about. So that's my question: What kind of player do you want to be on our manhood team? Um, out of that definition, which one uh, you choose will come with a kind of effort that you put off, put into it, and the payoff will be directly related. The more I put in my relationship with Paige, the more time, the more prayer, the more energy, um, all those things, the, the more satisfied I am and the more competent the Lord makes me. And so there, there is a direct payoff on those things. So let's look at three things on um, here's what an all-star man will have to master. The first is that... Um, He's the man who knows his woman's key needs and is actively engaged in meeting them. He knows his woman's key needs and he's, he is actively engaged in meeting them. One of the things that will give you a hint, whether you're an all-star or sideliner, is whether you did the project last week. Okay, do you know which project I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like, look like you're praying right now. Um, yeah, it's the personality inventory, okay, that, that takes about 15 or 20 minutes, can't take longer if you can't decide all those things. So you can already measure yourself um, just by knowing if you took, uh, took that step to, to take time to do that. Um, if you did the project star in all, I mean project in all-star fashion, you should also know your woman's key needs because you did a personality profile on her as well. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that in a few minutes, um, but do you know your woman's top need? Um, do you know what her personality is? Do you know how to meet her needs? And that was last week's assignment. Um, and you can look at your performance by knowing if, if, if you've, you've kind of done that. So just a, just a little, little thing. Um, and then we're going to look at how you can be the man that you need to be to love her the way that she needs to. The point's simply this. An all-star man is clear about his woman's needs and he's actively engaged in meeting them. He's clear about her needs, and he's actively engaged in meeting them. Secondly, the man knows his woman's personality and wisely adjusts to it. Women marry men thinking they'll change. Men marry women thinking they'll never change. And that's, a, that's kind of just a little whatever saying, but there's a lot of truth in it. You know, it's like who we marry, like, we think they're always going to be, you know, young, beautiful, um, whatever the personality is. And, um, you know, eight children later, they're tired and they have a career and things change. Um, and then they think that we're going to change, that, that they can make us what we, they need us to be. Um, and, the, and, the, and neither one of those are true. 
because we all we all change and not necessarily for for the good. So, secondly, the man knows his woman's personality personality and adjusts to it. Thirdly, the wise uh, the all star man is the man who knows his woman's love language and regularly speaks it. Okay, so it's knowing the needs. We looked at that last week. It's knowing the personality. You worked on that as well. And then it's uh, knowing your woman's love language, and we'll we'll talk through that um, today as we close in a little bit. Uh, the the two last items of what we're going to talk about, and um, basically, you need to master your woman's needs, your woman's personality, and your woman's love language. Personality. So that's where we're going to start start today, um, and we're going to talk about engaging a woman successfully. That's a great a great thing. The background for this whole personality thing. Um, let me give you a little history. Um, it's based in an observation. I think of a Greek philosopher you probably heard of, Hippocrates. Um, he started medicine, or gave he gave medicine in 4000 BC, the famous enduring Hippocratic Oath. Okay, so that's what doctors still take um, today um, regarding um, regarding medicine. So he was a brilliant observer and thinker of life, not only in the world of medicine but also in social relationships as well. And so we've got this tool that hopefully you worked on last week that um, Hippocrates, uh, Hippocrates had influence, influence on. As he observed people, he came up with four basic personality types that he kind of categorized people in. He called them these four things. Sanguine, and these are words you probably heard, you probably know. If you know, don't check out, okay? Sanguine, the choleric, phlegmatic. Sounds like something in your throat that you spit it up. Phlegmatic. Thanks for laughing. And melancholy. I got some middle school humor. I live with them. So sanguine, choleric, mel- uh, phlegmatic, and melancholy. And, and basically, um, throughout time, um, f- pe- most people, I guess all people, fit into pretty much one of these categories of these four things. Those terms that endure to this day, and not only did the Hippocratic Oath endure, but these four personality types have endured as well. And uh, they've been uh, popularized by many writers. Florence Litauer, um, she does, she's really big into and has several books on temperament and also on personality types. So um, she's the one that came up with that personality testing information and let them put it in the book. Got to say that, you know, for royalties. Uh, we want to look at those personalities, and we're going to do that in just a sec. And we keep in mind two things, okay? Um, you write down your wife's or girlfriend's personality, and we'll begin to explore those. Here's the two things. The descriptions you came back with from last week, and I'm assuming you did the personality profiles, okay? Otherwise, just kind of act like you did, kind of fake it, pose, and you can do them later. Um, they give you their general tendencies of a person's personality, not a specific diagnosis. So they're just general tendencies or general characteristics. So if you look at it, go, well, that's where I fall, but that's not me at all. Um, I remember in our newlywed class, this is one thing we covered, and we had a guy um, that he could not get over the fact that he didn't, the generalization, he was opposite of it, but that was what his personality was. Um, and so we talked several times, and we still joke about it now, and I tell him he's really a woman, just kidding. So um, it's, a, it's a general test, and it means, it, it means that everything I'm going to tell you does not apply um, underneath a particular personality, but on the whole, it's a, it'll be a helpful kind of general resource. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, as you look at your wife's or your girlfriend's test, you'll notice that as the total score, they're gathered into four categories, but there's a dominant one, okay? So the dominant one is basically the, where, where they live and who, who created them to be. Um, there, there might be some, uh, look like two of them are kind of balanced, um, uh, that kind of thing. I say um, that, you know, if you have that, you're, you have all four perfect, then you're Jesus. So you shouldn't have all four perfectly down. 
So uh, put down your pen, and then we're going to cover, I'm going to kind of talk through each of these, and then we'll come back to it, and you can write some stuff down. But um, this way you'll listen. I'll also give you this as you leave. Um, pick up, there's a green sheet like this, and it has everything that I'm going to say basically on it. Okay? That I'm not going to read. I'm just going to give you some highlights. But it's some great, great things. Okay? So some strengths and weaknesses is what I'll talk about each one. The first one is is sanguine. How many guys are in here are sanguine? Adam Robertson picked you out, buddy. That's right. Travis, that's why he's so hilarious in the morning and everything's a joke and talking points. So he's a sanguine. Sanguine, the key word is popular, okay? And that doesn't mean like most popular at school. Um, but if you have a sanguine, uh, there's a few things. They're happy, they're chatty, they're engaging, kind. Um, and also, if you, if you date one, you're married to one, she's typically talkative, she's outgoing, and she's the person that likes to be around. She's the life of the party. When it walks in, the party kind of starts, okay? People just kind of gravitate to, uh, to the person, kind of effervescent, that kind of thing. Uh, they ensure that the group is always having fun. That's the number one um, key point for them. They want everything to have to be fun. Look at Mr. Trickett's back there laughing because he's like poster boy. Everything should be fun. You know, it doesn't matter if you are in a fight. It's got to be fun. Um, so the strengths are are, are, are great strengths. Uh, they make friends easily and they love people. Like I said, they're often the life of the party. Uh, they make home fun and they're spontaneous. Um, and those are fun things. They don't like to be placid. They like action. They like to make things happen. Um, and, and so there's never a dull moment with a sanguine. Weaknesses are is because of the chattiness and uh, the, the personality, sometimes that takes over and they dominate um, conversation. Uh, they often talk too much. Um, they lose track of time. They're disorganized. Um, they, they don't know where things are. They don't meet deadlines. Um, they're not good at, at, at organization or administratively type things. At times, they want to be the center stage just too much, and they can become just a little irritating. Um, so those, that's kind of the, the sanguine. So if you raise your hand, focus on the, you know, the good, good things about that. Don't go, oh, great, I'm irritating, I'm talking too much, and I'm dominant. But you can go home and tell your wife, you're dominant, you're sanguine, you're irritating. Just kidding. Second one is, is choleric. There's some other things on there. There you go. We'll just fly through those. Cleric, keyword is powerful. So whereas sanguine is popular, the keyword's powerful. They have workatolic, workatolic, workaholic tendencies. Um, they're best at motivating people to action. They love to-do lists. Probably the most, the, the strongest effective leaders are cleric, okay? Type A personality, or um, if, if, if you use that terminology, they're great at leading. Um, the worst thing for a cleric is a day off, a Saturday morning, nothing to do. Yeah, they're always finding something to do, the next project, the next um, next thing to get done. The, the strengths of a cl uh, cleric are they, they lead well and they organize well. They're very results-oriented. Um, they love a challenge. They love fixing things. They're the kind of people that when you make, uh, they make, when people are talking about issues, they immediately see the whole picture and they have an answer and a solution that's usually the right one. So it's a great, a great um great personality. On the other hand, there's some downsides. They, they dominate too much, typically. Um, they typically can have the tendency to run over people, so they're not real sensitive to people around them um, or needs around them. Um, they, uh, they're unable to relax. Uh, they're quick-tempered and impatient um, often, and they may be rude or tactless in a situation. So with that being said, how many of y'all are choleric? Like you're raising your hands high. It's like, yes, I'm dominating. That's good. Okay. Um, then there is phlegmatic. How many of you guys are married to a phlegmatic? 
I am. Like she's off the charts. Like she has that's the only category she has. Okay. Um how many of you guys are phlegmatic? That y'all are like the greatest guys here. You're the best friends to have. Let's hang out. Um actually I'm married to one, so let's not hang out. Let let me hang out with some sanguine. The key word to phlegmatic personality is peaceful. So you got popular, powerful, or power, and then peaceful. Um, they're probably on the opposite ends of the spectrum of a cleric. They, they kind of, um, phlegmatic are a little bit uncomfortable around cleric people uh, because of the domination factor. And dominant people get frustrated with cleric people because some of, the, some of their weaknesses. Um, the strengths are they, they're very effective listeners. They're laid back and easygoing personalities. A lot of times they're real compassionate and have, have strong mercy gifts. Um, they are the stillness and the storm. They're the person that ev- that everyone's comfortable around. Um, that they just make you feel like you can relax, and um, it's a it's it's a it's a good good person to to be with. They they get along well. They have very few enemies, um, and they tend to live a kind of a consistent, well balanced life. Doesn't that sound good? Um, on the other side, they don't initiate very well. Um, they're not initiators. They're more on a on a on a follower end or a passive end. Um, they keep their emotions hidden. They tend to. They're not goal oriented. They can appear lazy. Um, they're not drivers. They're, they'd much rather, you know, they, they're indecisive. Um, Paige to go to a buffet, you know, or Luby's and have to decide what to eat. I mean, it's like I have to decide for. So it's that this decision thing, which I loved. One of those things, you know, when we dated, I loved that she was indecisive and she loved that I was decisive. And now it drives us crazy because I'm tired of deciding everything and she thinks I'm domineering, but she still won't decide. So, oh. Okay, so that's phlegmatic. The last one is melancholy. How many of you are melancholy? Okay, there's a few. I got I got some major melancholy tendencies. How many of you are married to one? Okay, very good. Um, the key word for melancholy is perfect. So you got the whole popular, powerful, peaceful, and perfect. Uh, perfectionistic. Melancholies are the artsy type. They're deep thought, and they have per- perfectionistic tendencies. They are incredible and best and shine at ex- planning and explaining details. Um, and so if you, uh, if you are administrative, uh, oftentimes they make great administrators are good at numbers and charts and graphics and, and um, that, those kind of things. Some other strengths are they're self-sacrificing. Um, they're faithful and they're devoted. Um, they're the kind of person you can depend on because they set the standards high and because they said they would do it, um, they're going to do it. Um, some of the weaknesses, on the other hand, is um, they do everything in a real methodical way. You know, they drive, sanguine to drive melancholy is crazy. Um, they're hard to please. Everything has to go to according to schedule. They're not real flexible. Um, and so that's, that's the melancholy. If you're familiar with Gary Smalley, he uses four animals, and it's basically the same thing. For, for a sanguine, he has an otter, which, you know, an otter plays and swims and all that stuff. Um, for the cleric, he uses a lion that roars. Um, for the phlegmatic, he uses a golden retriever, which that's what everybody wants a golden retriever to hang out with because it's the most nice dog that follows you. Um, and then the fourth one, the melancholy, is a beaver because a beaver, you're busy as a beaver. You're busy all the time putting things up. And so visually, those are, those are easier, a little bit easier for me to remember um, what, what each one does. So those are the four personality types. All of us fit into one of those. Some of us fall real strongly into one. Um, and, and you're not the way that there's a, I think on, yeah, on here, you'll see there, it's kind of a quadrant kind of thing. And maybe this is in your book. 
Um, and you're not supposed to, you're supposed to be able to cross this way or down, but not go diagonal. As far as a mix, guess who goes diagonal? Me. So what that means is like you're really dysfunctional. Um, the first time I met Don Mutton, uh, not the first time, right after we met, we had a staff retreat and he rode with me. And so we were talking about this personality stuff and he had, his wife had worked at, um, at Gary Smalley's office and, <clears throat> and so he said, well, what are you? And so I said, well, I'm an otter beaver. And so that's a, that's a sanguine melancholy. And he goes, no, you're not. And I go, that's what I am. And he goes, no, you're not. And he goes, then you must have had some major trauma or dysfunction in your life. I go, that's in my, my life right there, major trauma and dysfunction. So what, what Florence Littauer will say is that you're, you are one of those, and I won't go majorly into this because she does, but you, we mask a lot of times and we'll, we'll act another way either in how we think we're supposed to act or, again, because of some situation of environment or something, we take on kind of a, a, different, a different mode. But ultimately, we, we are categorized as one of those, okay? So um, that's uh, just for what it's worth. So a saying one is popular. Um, think, of, think of the word popular and outgoing. Choleric is powerful. The strong leader type. Phlegmatic is peaceful. They're easygoing. And the melancholy is perfect. They don't. They're not perfect, but you know what I mean. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Can you name your personality, which you did, because I asked you to raise your hand, which uh, most of you, that means you did it or you've done it at some point. And we started with the, with the paradox principle. Um, you know, do, do I get it? It's the die to live whole thing. So um, now we're learning that we, we don't get it, and now I want you to get it. So if you don't know your personality, um, I want you to look at that this week, Okay. Um, do you see your strengths? Some of the things that amaze me are how unself-aware people are, even on a church staff, um, as I lead my staff. And so to sit down with people and help them understand who they are and how God's created them, how he's gifted them, how they're perceived by other people um, is huge. Um, and because uh, that, that's how we move through life and how we minister to one another. So let me give you um, three summaries on personality that are really, really important, and then we'll, we'll move beyond this. You need to know this, first of all, a person's personality can grow and mature, but it's not going to change. It's going to grow and mature, but it's not going to change. We each need to grow in our personality. I don't need to, to tell Paige, you know, I'm just, when, when I seem inflexible or perfectionistic, uh, or inflexible or perf perfectionistic, I don't just need to go, you know what, I'm a melancholy, that's just how God created me, and I'm perfect. That, that's not, it's growing and in, in, in going, you know what, I'm, sometimes I can be way too, expectations are too high and being inflexible um, or scheduled or whatever. But I need to, you can grow and you can mature, you need to, but you're not going to change. I think James Dobson's done all this, um, uh, this uh, research into basically kind of forecasting what a person's going to be like when they're an adult and all his, I heard this recently, his research points back to look back when you were in fourth grade and what a kid is like in fourth grade is typically what he will be as an adult, personality-wise and interest and that kind of thing. So think just for a second, what were you like in fourth grade? All of you are like, really cool. Adam still feels like he's in fourth grade. Oh, Okay. Fourth grade. One of my sons just finished fourth grade. And he was a great fourth grader, so that'll be that'll be a great thing. Um, the second thing, uh, well, an authentic man, the all-star man, is one who comes to understand it and accepts his wife or his girlfriend's personality for what it is. You don't try to change it. Okay, Paige is a Paige is a golden retriever or phlegmatic. 
Um, this week, we've been married not, we will be married 17 years in November. This last week, I had a huge aha moment, and I told her on Friday. We, I'm off on Friday, so we have kind of a date, date day. We hang out. We're holding hands, walking, and we were, went out of town for the day, you know, the depart monthly thing that I talked about last week. And I said, I had a, a, a huge um, kind of conclusion this week. A light bulb went on, and she said, what? And I said, you are a responder. And she's like, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about that before, and you know that, and we, you know, all that kind of stuff. I said, no, you are, you are the ultimate responder in every way. She's not an initiator. Um, and so she's not an initiator in, in, um, in anything in life, in not a bad way. She's not lazy. It's just it's not in her makeup. Um, and so things that um, will frustrate me in that, instead of frustrating me and thinking the harder I press, the harder I press her to make a decision or the harder I press her to be involved in something or something I want her to do or um, whatever the situation, that's, it's not going to change. That's not who she is. That's not how God created her. So to be the winner, to be the all-star in that, is for me to grow and adjust and go, you know what, I, don't, I can't expect her to respond. And women are, are naturally responders by nature, I think. But she's like way by nature a responder. Um, and so instead of letting that be a frustration to me, I need to lead her in a mature way as God's created me and uh, in that relationship as the man. Instead of trying to make things happen, I need to lead her um, in the way God would, would have me do that. And so, you know, again, it, it wasn't it wasn't anything new that I didn't know, but for, for some reason this light bulb went on in a major way of going, that makes total sense, and I need to quit. I need, I need to give up, and I need to lead her instead of trying to force her. Does that make sense? Um, and so that's just, that's just um, with, that, with, with her personality. Know your personality, your, your wife's personality, and then appreciate it and then compliment it in yours. Um, because you can't manipulate her enough, you can't change her, so, so don't try. Secondly, honestly embracing your woman's personality and appreciate it. It's key. Let me say it again. Honestly embracing your woman's personality and appreciating it. Seeing it for what it's worth and what it really means to you and its strength and its beauty and its understanding. Um, and it's a great thing. That's the key to a long-term relationship. Um, if you married a body that is beautiful, um, that body is going to age and wrinkle. And as much as our society focuses on staying young and staying thin and um, every kind of Botox and pill and teeth whitening and everything we do, um, we all are going to age and we're going to change and we're going to die. How about that for encouragement this morning? So I heard that on the way on James Dobson. Um, but but it's, it's going to happen. So... Um, Many of you that are married or you're dating, you fell in love with that person or you're falling in love with that person presently because of their personality and you feel like you offer something and they offer you something back. And that, doesn't, that shouldn't fade over time. It'll, it'll change and it'll evolve and those kind of things. Um, but reviving it and believing that it's something good for you is a key to a long-term relationship. Okay? Loving that, not being frustrated with it. Thirdly is this. Marrying this personality says something deep about you as a man. Marrying this personality that you did says something deep about you as a man. It's not the case in every case, but most cases, opposites attract. And the reason they attract is because we're trying to balance each other and refine each other and mature one another. And that's the beauty of it. Um, um, Paige and I become balanced with each other. We become one. We become whole. Um, 
so much in that relationship and even our personalities. And as parents as, as well, we, we make a good team parenting much better than just one of us um, on our own. The reason many of uh, we married opposite um, someone opposite is because we needed somebody opposite. Okay, again, Paige and I are really opposite in, in a lot of ways. Not our belief system, but our personalities and even our giftings, and they're really complementary to each other. If we'll concentrate on making that a positive thing and not being frustrated. With it, okay. Um, okay. Let's let's conclude our time with what um, uh, Men's Life calls the the All Stars Big Three. Um, we talked about needs, we talked about personality, and the last thing is we're going to talk about um, how to speak um, each other's language. The five love languages, the book I got here. Um, how many of y'all have read this or done the test? A lot of y'all have heard of it, um, so don't, don't shut out. It, can be, it still can be fresh, okay? Um, basically, Gary Chapman came, has come up with um, ev- the thought that everybody speaks love in a primary language, and he lists five different ways. And these are the ways. Words of affirmation. Quality time. Receiving gifts. Acts of service. Physical touch. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. How many of you know what your love language is? Okay, great. How many of you know what your wives or your girlfriends is? How many of them are the same? Just one? Wow. Okay. Uh, you might have some, some kind of overlap. What Gary Chapman says is that all of us have a primary love language, and we might have one that's right under it. So we might have one or number one and number two are kind of there. So those mean a lot. There's two of them that are okay and will accept, and there's one that doesn't mean anything. We almost have disdain for it, okay? Um, and so uh, it's, it's important to know your love language. In the book, um, so this is a class we teach also as a milestone class periodically, um, but there's an inventory to take, but there's a pretty easy way to do it. You just look at it and go, okay, which one of those is the way that I want to be loved, uh, loved the most in recognizing it? Let me kind of talk to you about what each one of them is. First of all, I'll give you a real quick summary. Words of affirmation, and these are positive words that come out of the gut. They're not forced. They're not fake. They don't. They don't. They're not meant to puff up, um, but they're made to. They're said with passion to build up, cheer up, lift up um, you or your wife. Um, it's a thing that um, uh, my wife's uh, number one is um, quality time, but words of affirmation is really big with her too. What my wife wanted from my mom was for my mom to say. Paige, you are the most wonderful mother, and I'm so glad that you married my son. My mom's primary love language did not involve words of encouragement. It was acts of service. And, and acts of service and, and either words of encouragement or quality time are in, almost in direct conflict with each, with each other because one is so relational, and, the, and um, acts of service is not relational at all. It's acts of service. My mom never said those things to my wife. My mom passed away in, in June. And, and that, that grieves me. But what my mom did do, and that we know, and my wife knows that my mom loved her, was my mom would do anything for her. So she would make bumper pads for baby beds. She made curtains. She would do those kind of things. But my mom went through life, as most people do, without any reality of, you know what, I'm going to just do the things I do 
um, because that's the way that I am, and that's how people, that's how I feel loved. Well, the, the, the whole thing on the love languages is learning the person's love language so you can speak their language. Um, it's like if, um, if I go talk to Travis and he speaks Spanish and I just speak English to him, it doesn't matter what I'm saying, he doesn't get it. But if I learn Spanish so I can speak his language, then we can communicate and vice versa. So knowing each other's love, love language is huge. Words of affirmation, it's, it's really, really strong. So um, I can tell Paige, you look beautiful today. Um, you, d- you cooked a great meal tonight. You know, you're the best mom there is. Our, our kids are so fortunate. Um, any of those kind of things, those mean so much to her. And it's not just spoken, it can be written. And so that's, that's why I was talking about last week about writing notes and stuff. Um, it, it's really important. The, the second one is quality time. And it means undivided attention, okay? That's what it means. It's not just being in the same room or the same house together and you're watching TV and she is, um, you know, knitting. I don't know, what, whatever your wife likes. Um, but, but that's not what it means. You look into your wife's eyes and share a moment or a trip or something you did that day where you experience a moment and you connect, okay? So it's the quality time. That's what my wife loves more than anything else, quality time. She wants me by myself to be with her. And be with her, not just be with her around. Um, that, and that took a while for me to understand. When we first got married, I'm like, we're in the same house. Of course we're together. You know, we're together all the time. But for me to be with her. Um, uh, the problem is, is so much time, when I have quality time with her, it moves into other things as physical touch. But that's a whole other story. Uh, Eric's doing that in a couple weeks. Um, not doing that. He's talking about it. Um, I mean, that's what his presentation is. That's the talk that day. Okay, we're going... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, quality time. Okay, so quality time. The third one is receiving gifts. And the gift is a symbol of love. That's all it is. And so when your woman receives a gift from you, um, it says, I treasure you and I've thought about you and I love you. Okay, and so it doesn't mean that she's materialistic necessarily. Maybe. I don't know. You can weigh that. Um, but it says that, that you love her. So flowers to some women are incredibly important, and it says, I love you. I worked with a guy at another church in the city. His wife hated flowers. She thought they were a waste of money and unpractical, and some of you are nodding your head, and so because that, don't get your wife flowers. That's not her love, her, her, her love language is probably not receiving gifts. The fourth one is acts of service. I shared that with a, a little bit. The melancholy doing personality uh, is real neat and tidy and likes thing in, things in order. So if your wife is a melancholy, that's a great gift and a great way to speak her language is to keep your house clean and keep the things tidy around you, not, you know, have your dirty clothes on the floor and crumbs and, you know, you're, you're just kind of the, the slob thing going on. So acts of, acts of service, serving each other. And then physical touch is the last one. Um, and it's not, um, not necessarily sexual touch. Um, but it can be a, a pat, it can be um, whatever, um, th- those kind of things. I told you last week, Paige loves it when I come around, just put my arms around her waist right here and hold her, um, and especially if I do that, and I say, You're, you look great today, or how was your day, or I love you, or those kind of things, and then, then um, that goes, goes a long way. Um, maybe a, a back rub or a massage or whatever, those kind of things. But understanding... Um, Understanding uh, your love language, um, and then speaking her language, and and not not your own if you're speaking speaking her. So here's some helpful clues as we conclude, and then we got to wrap up. Uh, to discover one's love languages, here's clue number one: you like to express love this way to your mate. Okay, you like to express love to your mate this way. Another way of saying it is: we love others the way we want to be loved. 
If your wife is always giving you words of encouragement, she's giving you a clue that her love language is words of affirmation, even if it's not yours. So kind of clue in that to that um, interchange and see. A second clue is this. You ask for this love from your mate. You ask for love from the, uh, you ask for this kind of love from your mate. Okay, so if you catch yourself going, I just, come, come hang out with me. Come sit on the couch with me or let's go um, play basketball together. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing together and being together, maybe that's quality time if you're asking that. Or will you give me a back rub or, um, you know, how, how am I doing? You know, you have to hint and ask words of encouragement there. Um, uh, then, then ask for this love from your mate. The third clue is this. You're deeply hurt when your mate gives you the opposite of this. Yeah, Paige gets frustrated with me when she, when she wants me to spend time with her and I'm cleaning up the house. Um, I will default to acts of service because I, so, somehow in my formula of manhood, I think if I can serve her and do enough, do enough physical stuff that's, that's helping her and that's not what she wants. She doesn't want from me, she wants me. And that's our situation. Um, and so um, look and see what you, uh, you know, that, don't look to see if there's deep hurt when your mate gives you or you give um, your mate the opposite of the, of the love languages, okay? So those are the three clues. So what do you do if you know her specific love language? There's three things. You talk it out face-to-face with her, okay? You follow through with clues it, uh, it gave you, and you do these, these two things. You talk it out with her. Um, that's what it takes to be an all-star, sitting down, kind of what Travis was saying last week that he did, um, he wrote down, you sit down and talk face-to-face and, and say, how, how am, do you feel loved by, by me? When are times that you do feel loved by me? What do I do that make you feel loved? And then you can, you can share with her. The second thing is you get specific applications from her, and that's where I was going with that. It's one thing to know the love language, but, it's, it, but you, have to, you can't finish there. You have to go on, and it's that whole thing of knowing to know and then really know. Um, so ask her. In, in other words, what are two or three or four things you could do that would speak love language in a custom, customized way into her life? And it might be simple as, you know what, I need to hug my wife more or I need to sit down with her intentionally and, and dialogue every day or I need to give her a gift every once in a while and it doesn't have to be you know, something really, really expensive. Here's the final question. What do you call a man who knows his wife's love language and actively works at speaking it? An all-star. There you go. Way to go. Y'all are great. You're an all-star. That is what you call him, an all-star. Remember what I said when I started. It's not a formula, all these things, the personality, uh, the knowing the needs, and then knowing the love languages, but they're great tools to strengthen um, the bond and the marriage that you have. If you don't, all you do is you put in, you put in neutral and you cruise through uh, a marriage until one day you go, you know what, we're not meeting each other's needs, we're not connected, we're not engaged with each other, um, and, and you drift, okay? And so when you have, if you're, if you're one of the young guys and you're recently married and you haven't had kids yet, as you get married, you have to, my belief for me personally is I've got to even concentrate even more because everything goes to kids for a long time. And then what our society has found is when the kids are gone, there's not a connection because the kids were the connection. So be connected with your with your wife, um, and or when you get married, then do that. Um, but ultimately, you have to you have to depend on the Holy Spirit. There's times where I go, Lord, I can't win in this, and um, and I have to say, Lord, you've got to show me what Paige needs right now, or how how can how can I move toward her 
in a way that, that is appropriate or that she needs um, that would connect us. Okay, I got a five love language book. Anybody's birthday today? Anybody's birthday this week? <laughs> Who, who's, the, who's the greatest all-star in the room? Oh, my word. Come on, guys. You're all supposed to raise your hand. Go, me. There you go, right there. I'm going to give it to you. Everybody else is passive. And if you have it, you can give it to somebody else. Thank you. Well, let me pray, and then you'll um, go kind of your small groups and share some of the things. Also, in the green, uh, we'll pass around these green sheets, Lang will, um, and I'll help you, Lang, and um, it'll have kind of the, the explanations of all these things. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for today, and I thank you for, um, God, for tools, and as mundane as that can seem, and unspiritual, and uh, maybe even over-talked sometimes, Lord, I thank you that you use those tools in our lives each day. Um, I find that that true, and I hope these guys will too. Father, thank you that you created us each uniquely uh, with needs and desires and strengths and weaknesses. Lord, I thank you that you um, that you call us out and you have a plan for us, um, Lord, to, to meet each other's needs and, uh, Lord, to understand who we are. And so, Lord, help us to speak the language of love, not just to our girlfriend or our spouse, Lord, but in all relationships. Help us understand our personality. Help us to grow in that and not make excuses for our weaknesses and, and, and just say, that's how God created me because your word says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So, Lord, help us look at the new ways and the, the uh, Holy Spirit guided and led ways, Lord, to, to live out in our personalities. And, uh, Lord, I pray for strengthened um, marriages and relationships this week and even opportunities to put into use these things that we're talking about, what makes us all-stars. Ultimately, Jesus, you know, uh, we know that, uh, that it's you, God, that gives us ultimate manhood and um, the, the strength to live authentically and to make us all-stars. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks.